113. Probable flaws. And uh, you have the right to remain silent, but we'll probably smack you around anyway. Yes, move along, move along. Nothing to see here. No, really. There is truly nothing to see here, friends. It's a podcast. Hello, friends. Welcome in to this edition of Fusebox, dutifully entitled Probable Flaws. And uh, I'm your colluding more, but enjoying it less, host, Mark Rose. And over there, with arms akimbo and a song in his heart, I'm sure, the deacon of decibels himself, Milt Keynes, everybody. <laughs> Thank you, Kylie. <laughs> You know, I was just looking in this uh, old uh, trade mag here and uh, noticed uh, an ad for the NAM show. You uh, got any regrets for not going to this one this year? Well, uh, w- you know, it's funny. Now, now that you mention it, uh, kind of. Yeah, yeah. It's been a long time since I've uh, been to one of those. And... Uh, Friends, for uh, those not uh, familiar with what uh, Mr. Keynes refers to, the NAM show, or National Association of uh, Music Merchants Convention, is held twice a year. Uh, once uh, in Los Angeles in the winter, and then the uh, summer show is typically in Nashville. It's where uh, manufacturers of uh, musical instruments, accessories, uh, audio software, and hardware, they all trot out their latest and uh, greatest stuff for the attending retailers to uh, peruse and get up to speed on. In the the past few years, uh, these shows, at least for me, they, they they just seem to be pretty much the same old thing in a new box all the time, you know? Nothing like the... Uh, truly jaw-dropping moments that uh, have occurred at those shows in the past. And I, I got to tell you, I remember, <laughs> remember one. Yes, this was way back. I think, honestly, it was 1987. Yeah, I know, for crying out loud. Um, the, uh, the synthesizer manufacturer Roland unveiled uh, at that event in 87 uh, the now mythic, and I do mean mythic, D50 keyboard. And uh, I remember that uh, the unveiling was held in a little theater there. And uh, I recall uh, Eric Pershing, who uh, was one of their uh, designers and uh, brainiacs at the time, who has gone on to huge things at uh, Spectrosonics. And he, uh, he came out on stage and he just put one finger on a, on a single key and this noise happened, this cascading, evolving, wondrous sound came forth and seemed to keep coming forth uh, through time, which really at that point, no keyboard could do this. This was really a revolutionary kind of sound. It was organic and fascinating. So uh, nothing sounded like that thing. Uh, there really was a collective jaw drop in that audience. And, uh, well, nowadays everything does that. But uh, back back then, it, it really was truly amazing. It was quite a show. Oh, man, that was right at the end of the big hair bands era. <laughs> yeah, a lot of hair. <laughs> Sometimes more hair than sight lines, as, uh, as it seemed the hair took most of the free space in those breakout rooms. But 
Uh, I had a delightful time in a few of those shows, uh, but it, it did kind of become dull for a spell, you know, until just recently, I think. Yeah, you know, whenever I went to those things, I'd, I'd always seem to get grabbed by some old broadcast engineer <laughs> who could swear <laughs> we worked together in, you know, Altoona or maybe Poughkeepsie. And then he'd chew my ear off for about an hour. Uh-huh, yeah. But you know what? It, it, it's also funny that the, the uh, sales pressure in those things is usually zero. I mean, in most cases, those events were uh, uh, to showcase new stuff. You know, they weren't they weren't there as a uh, kind of cash and carry kind of thing. So uh, that was always fun. And uh, I, you know, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure I still have some brochures from uh, uh, either that event or, or one thereafter uh, that was touting the brand new synth axe MIDI guitar that uh, probably would have dislocated your shoulder after a while uh, as it really was the weirdest design I have ever seen. The neck was uh, at this weird, almost uh, 45 degree fixed angle. <laughs> it really did. It looked like some kind of instrument from a Star Wars cantina. I mean, really odd looking. Wait a minute. Was that that uh, blue? Uh... Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Blue. And uh, had these like uh, funny pads at the back. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, hell, man. We must have been at the same show. God. Can you imagine that? I probably walked right past you on the way to watch another big hair band performance. <laughs> yeah, snubbing me as always. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's me, man. Mr. Snub. <laughs> you know, what I mostly remember about those shows was the uh, after-show parties. Well, for some it was mid-show that would spill over into after-show and then into... Almost show, you know? Yeah, those are infamous. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think the last few shows have uh, kind of re-peaked my interest. Uh, there's really so many cool uh, innovations being done lately that uh, it's almost impossible to keep up with it all. I know in, uh, in the post-production work that I do here that uh, there have been many, many times where uh, some software innovation has actually truly solved an issue not a compromise not oh, sounds a little better no totally solved it yeah one of my favorite solutions in the past was the big red knob oh yeah oh no 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 do tell that one do tell that one because it really does apply to anything it's not just the the audio world and and, and honestly i think there are many who would benefit from your wisdom mr Keynes. Well, that's a scary thought right there. Perhaps. Do tell. Well, I was at a radio station in, uh, I don't know, I think it was Scranton. Or uh, maybe Tulsa. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I had a buddy at the station who was uh, building his own hardware. Usually for the radio station, but actually anybody who, uh, who wanted it, really. Uh, he was really, really good, too. Yeah, one day, you know, I come walking into the production room a bit early because uh, we had this session booked where uh, an agency guy was going to come by to review the jingle we had uh, put together for his uh, auto dealer client. And uh, on my desktop there, right near the production console, was this big red knob. Kind of looked like a, a trackball. 
and it had arrows on either side of the big knob. One said less, and the other one said more. Then there was this heavy coax cable coming out of the top of the thing, and it disappeared down the hole in the desk with the other cables. And I'm thinking, what the hell is this thing? <laughs> yeah. So it was right about then, the agency guy comes in, and he's way early, and I, you know, and I do my best uh, cat ate the canary grin and proceed to rack up the 30-second version of the track and hit play. So uh, after it's over, he sits there, and he looks kind of blank, like he didn't just hear that great jingle at all, right? Just staring off into space. So he says, could you run that again? Well, I'm thinking, sure, okay, fine. I punch it up again, and he sits there again in silence. And then he says, hmm. The deadly hmm. No, it's never good news. Now, you got to realize, this track had live horns, a six-piece rhythm section, about seven singers in there, and the station's production department had gone way over budget on this one. But it's it sounded great. It really did. But uh, they had to cut everybody loose at the end of the session, of course, because most of the brass players were headed out of town that day for a tour, and the singers were... As they are wont to do. Yeah, exactly. So, I'm thinking, this is going to be a mess. If this guy doesn't dig the track... The station is going to be pissed, and since I'm the newest hire, guess who may get the axe by proxy? So, uh, then, it dawns on me, and I ask the guy what he's thinking, and he says, he loves the track, it's just the horns are too loud. He'd like to turn them down, just a bit. And I look at him, without missing a beat, I say, sure, and hand him the big red knob. I say to him, okay, I tell you what, I'll play the track again, and you just slowly rotate this knob towards the word less that's printed right here, see, and stop when you hear it the way you want, okay? Very empowering, Mr. Gaines. <laughs> <laughs> so the guy's eyes light up, and I tell him, let me make a couple of slight adjustments before I uh, play it again. And uh, you can. Well, what the hell were you going to adjust? Nothing. I just pulled a couple of goddamn patch cables <laughs> and repatched them to another place and then clicked on the <laughs> recording light so he could see it. <laughs> Oh, my God. So, I turn the track back on and say, go for it, man. So, he's dialing the knob back real slow, and we get to the end of the jingle, and he says, I almost got it. Could could we spin that again? I say, sure, man. So, I rack it back up and spin it again, and he's tweaking away, dialing that knob back towards less, and at the end, he is jumping out of his chair, high-fiving me, and saying, what a great team we are, and how it sounds so much better now. 
So the knob? Didn't do shit. It's not connected to anything. Except maybe his brain. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh. My buddy told me later that day that that knob, it was intended, of course, as an inside joke for us. Kind of like his uh, talent simulator box in the rack behind me. That is more often the case than not. So, did you ever use the knob? Mr. Keynes, that's a rather personal question, sir. <laughs> uh, actually, in the spirit of complete disclosure, yes. It's what Jesus would want. TheFuseBoxShow.com Oh, we have such wondrous gems to share, friends. Uh, this item came uh, courtesy of our buddy Gregory, who uh, found it uh, thought-provoking, to say the least. <laughs> there, uh, there was a survey done back in 2010 to assess the uh, least religious or religiously unaffiliated <laughs> cities in America, and I think they polled, uh, I think, 52 metro areas or uh, thereabouts in the survey. Whom do you think... What... Utah! <laughs> no, 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 don't jump the gun. No, by, by the way, Utah couldn't possibly be in this... Altoona! <laughs> no, no, honestly, th this, this may surprise you. Who do you think the number two position was held by? Number two, huh? Yeah, number two. Um... Cut Bank, Maine. <laughs> well, interesting. Uh, no, they, they probably uh, would swing the other direction, I suspect. Uh, well, let me think. Uh, oh, I know. Las Vegas. Now, now I'm going to flip all the cards. Uh, in the 2010 survey, the second most religiously unaffiliated city was Tampa, Florida. Really? No, I would never have guessed that, actually. Despite your love and affection for that area. <laughs> we kid. <laughs> We're kidders here. No, no, seriously, it was Tampa. Now, in a 2015 survey, Tampa uh, moved to sixth place. So, there's that. So, uh, dare I ask, who was number one? You may well ask, Mr. Gaines. The number one religiously unaffiliated city in this poll for both the 2010 and 2015 survey was Portland, Oregon. That's right. Yeah, makes perfect sense. There's another first place for Portland. <laughs> yes, another proud distinction Indeed. Yes, yes. Over 42% of the population has no religious uh, affiliation. How about that? Well, they may have one. It's just that the uh, Church of the Holy Aardvark is not recognized properly. That's all. Well, that could be uh, very much the case, uh, Mr. Keynes. But uh, I think that uh, perhaps the church thing is uh, showing more stress lines these days. <laughs> And uh, as uh, society changes, uh, organized religion is, is holding uh, less appeal 
to many, uh, as we hopefully uh, evolve towards a, a little more spiritual center. You know what I'm saying? I was always fond of that creamy nougat center. There is a certain spirituality in nougat, I suppose. What the hell is nougat, anyway? Can't tell you about that. But I can tell you about this. Perhaps you've, uh, you've heard of it, actually. Uh, this one, this little news item here, is uh, currently making some noise. So, uh... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Not sure it's making that noise. Uh, some noise, for sure. So, you know... If uh, little Timmy is behaving badly in class, we no longer have to resort to the go directly to the principal's office, Timmy. No. In today's enlightened times, we just throw the kid in jail. What? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. This one uh, one now from the pages of Rolling Stone. An 11-year-old student was arrested last week and charged with a misdemeanor. After exchanging words with a teacher who took issue with the child's refusal to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance, the Lawton Childs Middle Academy sixth grader told substitute teacher Anna Alvarez that he would not stand because the flag and the national anthem were racist against black people. According to uh, Bay 9 News now, The teacher then seemed to escalate the situation by asking the child why he didn't go somewhere else if America was so bad. The student responded, saying, They brought me here. Then Alvarez, again the adult here, told the 11-year-old, Well, you can always go back because I came here from Cuba. And the day I feel I'm not welcome here anymore, I would find another place to live. How about Mars? (laughs) Um, According to the Washington Post, Alvarez uh, then called the school district office, and uh, the student responded to the dean, who told him to leave the room, saying, Suspend me. I don't care. This school is racist, as he left. The Lakeland Police Department released a statement making it clear that the student was not arrested for refusing to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance, but for, quote, disrupting a school function and resisting officer without violence. Paging Mr. Thoreau, Mr. Henry David Thoreau, please come to the white courtesy telephone. The boy's mother, Dakira Talbot, Later told Bay News 9, I'm upset, I'm angry, I'm hurt. More so for my son. My son has never been through anything like this. I feel like this should have been handled differently. If any disciplinary action should have been taken, it should have been with the school. He shouldn't have been arrested. The American Civil Liberties Union of Florida responded to the incident tweeting, This is outrageous. Students do not lose their First Amendment rights when they enter the schoolhouse gates. This is a prime example of the over-policing of black students in school. According to a statement released by the school district, the substitute teacher was asked to leave campus immediately and will no longer be allowed to work at any of our schools, quote-unquote there. 
The statement also said that Alvarez was not aware that students were not required to participate in the Pledge of Allegiance. In fact, the Supreme Court ruled in a 1943 decision that schools cannot mandate the students recite the pledge or stand for the flag because it would violate their rights under the First Amendment. And that was done during the middle of wartime, friends, when you think patriotism would be an all-time high. Oh, it's just waterboard to little heathens. What the stinking hell is going on? Now, now hey, I, you know what? I, got, I have a personal connection to this situation. N- not the end of... You're Cuban? <laughs> no, not, not that kind of connection. I do love me some Chucho Valdez, though. Just saying. No, when I was in school, uh, I can remember, uh, I guess it must have been right about uh, age eight or nine, realizing what this pledge was saying, and then it occurred to me that it seemed, <laughs> it just seemed to be a wee nervous uh, about its citizens requiring them to pledge their allegiance every goddamn day. (laughs) You know, this just seemed a little OCD to me. Although I would have no idea what that was at the age of nine, but something felt kind of squishy and somewhat wrong. So I I remember when uh, when I was in middle school or or what we called uh, uh, junior high at the time. Back when dinosaurs ruled the earth. <laughs> exactly. Dinosaurs and junior high. So, you know, it sounds like a new Amazon Prime series. <laughs> <laughs> no, but when I was in junior high, I had a, a, a creative writing teacher. And I'll never forget this guy. His, his name was Otis Rag. Brilliant dude. Really. Just terrific guy. Anyway, he always offered um, the option in his class to, uh, as he put it, meditate in place of standing for this ridiculous uh, brainwashing technique masquerading as patriotism. He, uh, he was a sharp guy, and uh, he probably got some kind of flack over bringing in Eastern belief systems <laughs> into the class, but what the hell, you know? But I stopped doing the pledge thing uh, way early as well, and it just seemed odd, you know? Kind of like their history textbooks of the day, too. You know? Thank dog for Howard Zinn to uh, enlighten us all again. God bless you, Howard, wherever you are. Yeah, this one may be a big stinker, you know? Yeah. yeah. He's 11 years old. (laughs) This is the kind of situation that does absolutely nothing but create more hate and intolerance. What I can't figure out is how do you hire a substitute teacher... It doesn't know history like that. Well, truthfully, I, I didn't know the law went back as far as 1943. I thought it was uh, in the late 50s. But uh, some things appear to squeak through the cracks in the uh, Human Resources Department every once in a while. Uh, I, I can say that the ACLU will uh, no doubt have uh, much more to say on this issue as well. And uh, it's just another reason. Just another reason that we beg, nay, implore the question, What the fuck, Florida? I tell you, some things just, they just refuse to change. If you have an opinion or thought against uh, the approved and uh, some might suggest enforced doctrine, then uh, you're uh, just 
instantly assailed. Same as it ever was. Now, I know, I, I, yeah, but I, and, and I know, many folks would uh, love to believe this society is becoming more enlightened, and in some ways it is, but you look at things like this <laughs> and realize, uh, you know, we still got a whole lot of work to do. Um, sure getting easier to know who they are, though. Yes, Mr. Keynes, you are correct. 67% evidently know exactly who they are. And uh, and with that knowing wink, we will call it a show, friends. But not before. Thanking our law-abiding contributors to this edition of Fusebox, Stuart Krug, Nico Lane, and Eden Neuendorf. Thanks, as always, to the knob-grabbing excellence of Milt Keynes. (laughs) (laughs) What's all this hair on my palms? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, as well, to you, friends, for uh, pushing play on this edition of the program. We, uh, we'd so love it madly if you were to subscribe to our uh, humble little program here and maybe at the same time uh, give us a rating there on the uh, Apple Podcast site or the Stitcher side or the glorious Onsug channel, wherever you may have found us napping under a newspaper. And we'd be thrilled. Just thrilled. I have been your still waiting for my full-size Hadron Collusion model with real hair host, Mark Rose, saying, until our next cartoon. Thank you.